0: to the t-
1: about that a few few weeks ago. How are you doing? Woo! <laughs> yes, or swell. Yes, swell, that's right. We can say that. I am swell. I hope you are all swell as well. That's a tongue twister, but uh, so great to see you guys. Uh, we did kick off our groups last week. That was super fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you to all the group leaders who have put yourselves out there in our leading groups. Katie and I had our first group meeting on Wednesday, and it was so much fun. We had a blast just hanging out with some of you guys and uh, looking forward to continuing to connect and develop those relationships going forward. So today we are starting a new series. It's called Position and Practice, and we are going to be walking through the book of Ephesians. So there is so much, so much in this book. It is so rich. So we'll see how far we get each week. Um, But it's going to be an extended series. Um, But we're we're really excited about it. The reason why position and practice is because the book speaks to those two areas specifically in the first half of the book. Paul's talking about our position. In Christ. And then the second half of the book, four, five, six, he talks about the practice of that and what it looks like to live out love within the body of Christ. So the book of Ephesians answers the question, what is the church? What is the church? Who are we as the body of Christ? What does that mean that we're a part of Christ's body? So we're gonna be diving into that over the next few weeks and I'm excited to see what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So a few years ago, actually many years ago, let's see, I was, when I was 18 years old, I had the task of asking my father-in-law for permission he was my father-in-law then, uh, to court his daughter. So Katie and I had fallen in love during the internship at our church, of course. And, uh, and we decided, Hey, we're, we're going to get married. Like God is calling us to get married. So we are going to prepare for marriage through courtship. I know that's an old term dating, whatever you want to call it, but we're preparing ourselves for marriage. So I was going to have to ask her dad for permission. Now, Gordon is not like your menacing father figure. He's one of the kindest and sweetest people you'll ever meet in your life. He is so much like Jesus. Love the guy. So it wasn't like I was afraid he's going to have his shotgun and like cleaning it, you know what I mean, when I come to see him, right? Um, But still, I was was nervous. I'm like running through what I'm going to say to him and how I'm going to present it. And so I was like, I really want to impress him. So I'm going to take him someplace nice for breakfast. So. Uh, so anyways, we, we went to this really nice place uh, called Denny's and, um, that's all I could afford at 18, (laughs) but, uh, I got him the grand slam breakfast. Okay. So I got him everything, right? Everything you wanted. So I sit across from him and talk to him and, And he asked some questions, and I share my desire to court his daughter. Now, I'd already known him for many years. I was a friend of Katie's for years before that, so he knew me. He knew my family, uh, and he gave me permission. So I was super excited about that, and I was thinking, okay, so that's the blessing. The blessing of the father is two thumbs up, you're good. I give you my permission, right? Well, years later, on our wedding day, he spoke a charge to us as a couple and he blessed us and he spoke some incredibly encouraging and affirming words over us. He's also a pastor and uh, it was powerful and it was really meaningful. And at that point I said, okay, so that's the blessing. It's permission, he says yes, he's giving me the thumbs up and just encouraging affirmation and words over me. The blessing of my father-in-law. But now, after 16 years of marriage, which that's September 30th is our 16th anniversary. Yeah, I remembered. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, So after 16 years of marriage, I've realized that his blessing was more than just permission. It was more than just words of affirmation. It was adoption. He brought me in to his family. And I got to become his son. And it is one of the greatest blessings that I've experienced in my life to be a part of this incredible family. And truly, truly, him and his wife both just love the Lord. But they adopted me in. And they've treated me like a son. And that's the blessing that I'm proud of. So that's the title of my message this morning is a blessing to be proud of. So we are going to dive into Ephesians chapter one this morning that talks about this blessing that God gives us. But before we do that. A little bit of background on the book of Ephesians. So anytime we're studying scripture, uh, we want to be intentional in our approach. And there's a lot of different ways we can study the word of God. Uh, One of the most common ways is called inductive Bible study. Inductive Bible study is made up of three different parts. Observation interpretation, and application. So observation, interpretation, application. So observation answers the question, what does it say? What are the actual words on the page? And what is the context for those words? So it answers the question of who, who who wrote the book? Who who did they write it to? Uh, When, uh, where, how, what? Why? So what is in the book? What is the, the context for which it was written, the time period? Where were they? Uh, how is that particular book structured uh, in the Bible? There's a lot of different uh, forms of liturgy, whether it's uh, poetry or prophecy or history. Uh, there's many different ways that the Bible communicates stories and narrative as well. And so we ask ourselves, how and then why? Perhaps uh, uh, why was the book initially written? What was the purpose behind it? So uh, interpretation then is answering the question, what does it mean? So we say, what does it say? What is the context? What does it mean? What is the original intent of the author to the recipients? What, what was its original message intended to be? To the best of our ability, we want to understand and answer that question. And then application, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for me? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to me Through the word, when he breathes on the word of God and it comes alive to us, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That word of God, that's application. What is the spirit of God speaking to me through this book, through these verses? So we're going to start with observation. Observation. So who? Who wrote the book of Ephesians? That was the Apostle Paul. He wrote it while he was imprisoned in. Rome, and around AD 60 was the time period, and he wrote it to the churches in Asia Minor. Now, Ephesus was one of those churches. Ephesus was a port city on the west coast of Asia Minor, but the earliest manuscripts we have, transcripts of the Bible and of the book of Ephesians, doesn't include to Ephesus. So it it excludes that, and so many scholars believe that it was written to the Ephesians, but many other churches was a circulatory letter, to, so it was meant to be circulated among the churches in Asia Minor, and that's something that makes it unique, because it's not just speaking to one small group of people, it's speaking to a lot of different groups of people. So like, unlike Corinthians or Thessalonians, where he's speaking to specific problems or instances within that church community, he's speaking on a little bit higher level. Uh, to to a number of different churches and you see that in the book of Ephesians which is really special about the book. So what What is the book about? Well, after writing the book of Colossians, it seems that Paul had a deeper revelation and understanding of what the church was. Of this idea that the church is the body of Christ, the fullness of him. And that it was God's plan, his mysterious plan from the beginning of time to overthrow the kingdom of darkness. And that was the body of Christ, his church, his plan A, his hope for the world was through the church. So how is this book structured? How is it structured? Well, like most Pauline epistles, it starts with doctrine. So, the doctrine of the letter and then the duty. So, the first three chapters, one, two, three, is talking about the doctrine. And then four, five, and six is the duty, the practice. Or, like I said earlier, the position, our position in Christ, and our carrying out the practice of that position. Uh, Watchman Nee wrote this awesome book called Sit, Walk, Stand, Uh, and it's a great book about the book of Ephesians. And so he talks about chapters 1 through 3 being seated with Christ, and then 4 and 5 walking out our faith, and then chapter 6 when he talks about spiritual warfare standing against the powers of darkness. So then why? Why was this book written? And again, perhaps The reason why was this unanimity among the church to have the same purpose, position, and practice that we will be united together as one on the same page. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6, talking about one body, one baptism, one spirit, that we would be one. That was Jesus' prayer, John 17, his final prayer, that they would be one in me. And then the church started this way. In Acts chapter 1 through 5, there's a word in the Greek, homothumadon, which means, or is translated with one accord, having the same mind, same purpose, same passion, same language, everyone on the same page, following Jesus, the simplicity of Christ, the single-mindedness of following the Lord that we will be united together. And then powerful things took place when the church was one. So perhaps that's the why behind this letter. Of the Ephesians. So, you guys ready to dive in to the scripture? All right. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So the book begins with Paul saying one of his most common statements in Christ. And you'll notice this five different times just in the first chapter. He says in Christ and throughout the book and then throughout the rest of his epistles, you see this word in Christ. This speaks to our position as believers, that now we are in Christ. We are once children of this world, but now we are children of God. That we are new creations, right? In Christ. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. In him, our life is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians three three. So throughout the Pauline epistles in Christ, this is our position. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, now we have a different position. We approach the world differently. We look through a different lens as we talked about a few weeks ago. The worldview of seeing the world the way God does. We approach this world now in Christ. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. So this is our position, that we are found in him. Now, the enemy wants to tell us differently. He wants to say that we're a part of this world, that that's where our true identity lies. But the word of God makes it clear that we, our position now is in Christ. So in Ephesians chapter one, because we are in Christ, Paul says that we have been blessed with every spiritual Blessing. Man, that's awesome. Every spiritual blessing. So, part of being in Him means that we are blessed. How awesome is that? Now, I know for a lot of us, when we hear that word blessed, I'm blessed, then we snap to that grid of prosperity gospel, right? Of, hey, Jesus died on the cross so we can have a bunch of money. No. But blessing means more than that. In fact, John 10:10, 10, 10, which is quoted a lot with the prosperity gospel, that Christ came that we might have life and life more abundantly, or, or NLT says life in all its fullness. What's interesting about that, about life there, is 1 John chapter 1, verse 2 says this about life. John says, the life appeared. And he's referring to Jesus. We have seen it. And testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and has appeared to us. Another translation says that Jesus is life itself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, right? And so when he says that you will have life and life more abundantly, he's saying, you'll have me and me in abundance. You will have Jesus and Jesus in all his fullness. Ooh, man. And Ephesians three goes on to say that, right? It says that we could be filled with the fullness of God. So that is the blessed life. That is the blessing. Jesus in abundance. Jesus in his fullness. So that word blessing, there. In the Greek is eulogia, which is where we get the word eulogy, means praise or a generous gift. Praise or a generous gift. Now, when the world gives us wealth, the snap to reaction to that, for many of us in our flesh, is arrogance. It might be pride. It might be selfishness. It may be greed. Maybe. Maybe. Now, if we know Jesus, that's different. But that's the natural snap too from this world. But when God gives us gifts, when he pours out his unmerited favor and blessings upon us, it has the opposite effect. It creates in us another level of gratitude and godly character an appreciation for who he is and what he has done. It turns our hearts not towards ourselves, but towards him. That's what God's blessings do. Look at what uh, Chris or Charles Hodge said. Not Chris Hodges, different guy. Charles Hodge said this. He said, The grace of God exalts a man without inflating him and humbles a man without debasing him. Isn't that good? Exalts a man without inflating him. That's the blessings of God. That's what they do to us. So, what is. This blessing, these every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I, I want to hear what this is. What is this? What is the blessing to be proud of? All right, let's look at the first one in verse 4 and 5, or 4 through 6. It's the blessing of the Father. The blessing of the Father. For he chose us in him, verse 4, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. The blessing of the father. God chose us. He chose you. It's like, it's like the dodgeball team, right? When you're a kid and they're picking teams, you know, and you're like, you just don't want to be the last one to be picked, you know, because that's just embarrassing. Right. And so you're hoping that someone like picks you like, come on, pick me, me. You know, that was me. I was always the scrawny little kid. So I was like, come on, please don't let me be last. So when you get picked, there's this feeling of value. Right. Ah, oh, they see me. They value me. It, it lifts you up a little bit. Someone has affirmed that, yeah, you matter. You're valuable to me. Well, it says that God chose you. He picked you to be on his team, you specifically. That God sees an intrinsic value in you, even if you might not see it in yourself, he sees it. Even if you've experienced hardship in your life and you've experienced people, maybe the people who should be affirming your value, maybe they haven't been, God is. He's saying, I want you. I want you to be on my team. I'm choosing you. Before the foundation of the world, you've always had value. From the very beginning of time, God has valued your life before you were even born. He's chosen you. He wants you to be a part of his family. God chose you. He's affirmed your value. And then it says he's chosen you to be holy and blameless before him in love. Our destiny is to be able to stand in front of God, the judge of all the earth, to stand before him and because of Jesus, be blameless. Wow. No, no weight of blame and condemnation. Remember, the enemy, his goal is to accuse the brethren. That's his superpower, his accusation. But Colossians 2 tells us that Jesus took every accusation the enemy has made against us, every list that he's had of the wrongs that we've done, and he's nailed it to the cross. And he's disarmed the enemy and made him powerless. He's made a public spectacle of him. He says, you don't know my child. (laughs) I know them. I've destined them to be blameless before me. Innocence. Think of the freedom of your childhood. When you're a child and you're you're just free, you're innocent. And so there's a freedom to your life. You live life freely and lightly. And that's the blessing of God from the Father to you, to live life in that way as a child, a child of God. So he's chosen you. His destiny is to make you blameless. And then it says that he's adopted you into his family. Just like my father-in-law, that blessing was more than just thumbs up. It was more than just words of encouragement. It was him bringing me in to be a part of something greater than myself and to have not just a place, but a prominent place within that body. That's the blessing of the Father. Affirmation, innocence, and acceptance. That's what God offers us in Christ. Affirmation, innocence, and acceptance. Isn't that awesome? It's a blessing of the Father. So let's look at the blessing of the Son. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In him, in Christ, we have redemption. Redemption, that word redemption means to buy back. So meaning we were slaves to sin, but no longer, we're no longer slaves. He has bought us back and he has purchased our freedom. We don't have to sin anymore. And we don't have to be defined by the world in which we live any longer. He's purchased us back to himself. He has redeemed us, and he has made us free. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And we can live out our lives, live out that freedom. In fact, one of the best ways to do that is a course that we have called Oaks of Righteousness. If you haven't already been through Oaks of Righteousness, they're starting up, what, Monday, right? Tomorrow? Right. It's an amazing opportunity to live out, to learn how to live out that freedom in our lives. The freedom that Jesus died for us to have. So he purchased our freedom. And then we're forgiven. He's forgiven of our sins. We don't have to carry the weight of shame and guilt any longer, The Bible says that he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, that he remembers our sins no more. We are forgiven. He's made us clean. We don't have to feel dirty anymore. We're, we've been made clean because of Jesus, because of his great grace. We are forgiven. And then it says that he's given us all wisdom and understanding. Revelation. The gift of Jesus, the blessing of Jesus is freedom. It's forgiveness, but it's also revelation. We can see the truth of God. The word of God can come alive to us. Like we talked about earlier, where we hear the very voice of God as we study scripture, where we can be led by the spirit of God, where we can follow the impressions that God gives us in our hearts to love people and how to reach out to them and how to care for them. We can have wisdom and revelation and understanding. We can see the world through Jesus' eyes because of this blessing. He's blessed us with all wisdom and understanding and His plan for the world to redeem them and reconcile them back to Himself. So that's the blessing of the Son. It is freedom, forgiveness, revelation. And there's a lot of other blessings, but at least in this passage of scripture. So we have the blessing of the Father, the blessing of the Son, and then lastly, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 of Ephesians 1, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So it says, in him you were marked with a seal. That word seal, back in the day, seals served as a legal protection or guarantee. They also served as a proof of identity. So the spirit of God in you is God confirming that you are his. It's that confirmation that you belong to him. Your position in Christ is not buffering. It is done. It is finished as Jesus said on the cross. You are righteous and blameless before him in love. You're adopted as his child. That is the truth of your position and the spirit of God guarantees that when the enemy comes and tries to get us to doubt and to not believe and to think I don't know if I belong. I don't know if I'm really here. I don't know if God really loves me. The spirit of God rises up in us and it leads us into all truth. He reminds us of the things that Jesus has said about us. He is our comforter and our counselor and our guide and our teacher. And he points us to the truth that is in Jesus, that we are in Christ right now. And he confirms and he gives us assurance and he gives us protection. He guards our minds with his peace supernaturally when the enemy wants to lie to us to pull us out and say, no, identify with the world, identify with your mistakes, that's who you really are. The Spirit of God rises up within us and says, no. No, they belong to me. I'm the seal that they're mine. The blessing of the Spirit of God. Man, that, the blessing of the Father, the blessing of the Son, the blessing of the Spirit, Affirmation, innocence, acceptance, freedom, forgiveness, revelation, confirmation, guarantee, assurance, protection. That is life in all its fullness. Amen? That's life more abundantly. That's Jesus, his blessing in Christ in all its fullness. It seems like too much, right? It's like more than enough. Like it's like, wow, he just keeps on giving us, he really, really wants to confirm that we are his. Not only does he adopt us, accept us, give us assurance, he gives us the spirit, he gives us revelation in the knowledge of him. He's just overflowing us with his goodness and his grace. That's the grace that he's talking about that he pours out freely in verse six. six and then in verse eight, the grace that he talks about that he lavishes on us lavishes. His grace on us. Because He wants us to know who we are in our position. We have the position of, because of Jesus, because of the cross of Christ, we have the position of blessing. That is our position in Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Man, that's exciting. Now, our position isn't buffering, but our practice maybe. Like we, we are who God says we are, but we're renewing our mind. And it's a process. God is renewing our mind, helping us see the world the way he sees it and helping us see ourselves the way he sees us. And so over time, As we spend more time in the word of God, as we meditate on his word, as we spend more time in his presence, as we spend more time in prayer, as we spend more time in authentic community and relationship, God begins to renew our mind and align our way of thinking with our position in Jesus. And our practice becomes aligned with our position. Isn't that cool? So much grace in Jesus. So I'm going to close with this. These blessings are given to us, and they're real, and they're true even in this moment. But just like a gift, if someone gives you a gift, you have to accept the gift, receive it, open it, and then take ownership of it, right? Same is true for these blessings we have in Jesus. He's given them to us freely, but now we have to choose to accept them as true, not just generally, but true for me no matter how much shame or guilt we're feeling, we have to remember that what God has declared is the ultimate truth. And so we have to accept these gifts and this blessing, right? We have to receive it, accept it, and then take ownership of it. This is ours to own, not because we've done something special, not at all. It's because Jesus has done something special. (laughs) He's done something very special. And that's why, And we can receive these and live these out in our lives. And listen, these are blessings to be proud of. Galatians 6.14, Paul said this, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is a blessing that we can boast in. We can boast in Jesus We can boast in the finished work of the cross and the blessings that he's given us. We can be proud of being sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen. So this is what we're going to do as we close in worship. I just encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me? That's the most important question we can ask. God, what are you saying to me? He's given us all wisdom and understanding, revelation and the knowledge of Him. God, what are You saying to me right now? It might not be anything that I talked about. Maybe something totally different. That's fine. We'll let the Holy Spirit do whatever He wants to do. God, what are You saying to me? And then, if there is one of these areas of blessing where you're like, "Man, that is hard for me to receive," because of something you've experienced, because of something, a current situation in your life, whatever it is, like, "Man, that's it's hard for me to." receive that affirmation, or it's hard for me to receive that forgiveness, or it's hard for me to receive that assurance. Whatever that is, just ask the Holy Spirit, say, God, will you give me the grace to receive this gift? Not only will he give you the gift, but he'll give you the power to receive it. Amen. Would you would you stand to your feet with me as we close in worship? Let's respond to the
0: love. chain James-
1: amazing grace, Lord. I pray that you'll give us more and more of that grace as we need it so much every day of our lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. You are good and you are faithful. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I just encourage you, go into your week, take this with you, continue to seek the Lord, dive into Ephesians chapter 1. And if if one of these areas, like I said, it maybe is a struggle for you, take that passage of scripture and just meditate on it. Just read it over and over again. Think about it, journal about it. Let's dive into the word of God together. Let it come alive. Let the Holy Spirit speak to all of us as a unified body. And then next, not next week, next week is serve day, which is going to be awesome. But the week after that, we'll pick up the series again, and we're going to talk about the practice. We talked about position this week. Next time, we're going to be talking about a practice that we see in Ephesians chapter one as well. So love you guys. Bless you guys.